Welcome to Top Shelf Integrity, where we give you an inside look at how we, the Beam Centauri on-premise team, maintain our best-in-class standards in the alcohol industry, and what makes us the best team in the business, bar none. It's about service at the end of the day, and we're going to show you how we do our thing so you can level up yours. What does Top Shelf Leadership do differently? What does it mean to show up for your customers and your teammates? How do you balance innovation and honoring legacy? It's all here. So grab a glass, pull up a chair, and let's pour one out. Good afternoon, everybody. It is a warm, hot day in Chicago right now. I am sitting in the Top Shelf Integrity Studio in the Merchandise Mart with someone who's very special. I'm going to introduce her in a second. Uh, but first, my name is Dan Cohen. I'm the Senior Director of PR and Social at Beam Suntory. I'm very excited to host my third podcast in this series. And um, I'm on the PR team. And why I'm especially excited is because we have somebody else on the PR team with me today who is a force to uh, be reckoned with. This is uh, Lana Oz. Hi, hello, Lana. hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So we're going to introduce ourselves. We're going to introduce you. We're going to talk a bit about the theme today. But first, most importantly, let's talk about what we're drinking. We both have a cocktail in hand per tradition on the uh, on the series. Uh, Lana, do you want to go first? What are you drinking right now? Yes, I. Uh, it's a hot day, like you said. And on a hot day, tequila is right up my alley. So I am having a classic Tommy's Margarita with El Tesoro. And it is delicious. That is delicious. Also, I'll say, let's name drop Amy Probasco, who is our in-house mixologist, has poured us these cocktails. And it's kind of a cool, I mean, how many people can say they have an in-house bartender at their job where they can kind of uh, jump into a studio and just ask for a cocktail? So thank you, Amy. I'm currently drinking. It's also a refreshing drink. It's a Sip Smith London Dry Gin and Tonic. Classic G&T, perfectly refreshing. So we are both enjoying a cocktail. We're by a bartender, and we are talking about influencing the influencer and how PR connects to bars and restaurants. So, Lana, let's let's start with you. I guess let's start at the top. What would you say? How would you define PR? What is PR to you? Well, it's interesting. I started in the internal side of communications field with our corporate communications team and then moved into PR. And I think, uh, you know, the insight that that gave me is that, you know, PR traditionally people think about magazines and newspaper and press releases. And it's really so much more than that. It's about all of the audiences that can kind of spread the gospel and, and the word about your products. And that is considering traditional media. It's considering influencers, which we'll talk about. It's considering your employees, uh, trade and bartenders. So um, it's really broad. It's about storytelling on behalf of your brands and inspiring people to uh, share those stories with uh, their own customers and their own audiences. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I, I would agree. And I, I guess, you know, when I view PR, I think of it as really storytelling in a way that, like you said, inspires others to tell our story for us. It's it's in other voices. It's in your own way of talking about a brand um, in ways that we might not have control over and that we, you know, we wouldn't um, be able to kind of say ourselves. So I, I think uh, certainly when we talk about influencers and about kind of using PR as a marketing tactic, certainly leveraging and collaborating with bars and restaurants, bartenders, that's a big piece of this. And by the way, Lana, you've been at Beam Suntory for 10 years? Yep. 10 years. So 
I've worked with Leanna for 10 years. We have, uh, you know, I, I feel that we have the the best PR team in the industry. And so it's exciting that, uh, that we can be in the same room together at the same time. Uh, and we can do this safely, which is awesome. So, um, now moving on to kind of the idea of influencing the influencer, how would you describe an influencer, Lana? Uh, this is a tricky question and you have to be careful because you can walk into a room and talk about influencer strategies and it means something to me. It means something different to the person across the table. So I do think it's broad. An influencer, um, you know, in a way takes a place of that uh, family and friend recommendation. You hear from data that like that's one of the most influential ways for someone to be introduced to your brand as a family or a friend recommended it. And I think an influencer has kind of become the overarching word for that. It's somebody that you trust, somebody that you admire or aspire to be like, somebody that you look to for recommendations. Um, so really, when you think of it through that definition, it could be, you know, a social media influencer, it could be your favorite celebrity, it could be your favorite bartender, it could be your best friend. So it's really who you look to for recommendations, whose opinions you trust would be what I consider an influencer. It's a great answer. I mean, I'd say, yeah, as we, you know, our team, our function at Beam, we have certainly evolved how we view PR and influencers. And we, you know, we definitely are all about driving editorial media coverage, you know, inspiring journalists to write about us, getting product on red carpets and with celebrities. But certainly we've spent a lot of energy in the last number of years uh, collaborating with the bartender. We, you know, I, I view the bartender as, as influential, so to speak, as anyone who could post on Instagram, anyone who could write an article, they are on the front lines. They are actually, you know, recommending products or sharing new cocktail ideas with their customers. And that to me, that's the most valuable influencer in the world as it relates to marketing. And, um, I guess, you know, kind of to throw it back to you as in your time working in PR and kind of supporting our brands, how are you thinking of the bartender? How are we working with bartenders in our PR? Yeah, I like to think of the bartender as the original influencer before it was a word in the spirit space or before we were really looking at influencer marketing. Uh, there was the bartender serving their loyal customers at the bar and recommending brands based on what they know about them. So uh, they're incredibly important and continue to be. Um, so it's, it definitely varies by brand, but we've started looking at kind of our PR programming and our resources and carving out specific efforts to influence the influencer, specifically in some cases, the bartender. Um, a great example that I worked on recently is El Tesoro. Shout out to my cocktail right now. Um, we developed a program several years ago called the Los Tesoros, and we kind of found and worked with our um, field teams across the country, these trade members, both on and off premise, that were especially passionate and knowledgeable about high-end tequila. And those people who really admired the craft of making tequila and who were looked to as experts in the space. And we spent time reaching out to these people, bringing them into the fold, giving them education and experiences about El Tesoro, where we come from, how it's made, so that in hopes they would, you know, when push comes to shove and when a customer is shopping, be able to speak intelligently and passionately about our product and what it stands for. So that's been a really successful program for us. And we like to think that we've kind of created a, a family and a network of trade that has 
a great respect for our product and and uh, carries the word forward uh, on our behalf. That's a great example. I think we've we often will if we need a recipe, um, like a signature recipe for a new product, or we need support with kind of figuring out flavor profiles and kind of what works well together. We'll often bring a bartender in and you know credit them for either kind of developing a signature cocktail for a brand or you know, hosting an event for us. I think there's a lot of ways to use, to, uh, to collaborate with bartenders. I think we once, uh, we launched a, a Jim Beam product a number of years ago, and we didn't know exactly how to kind of mix with it. And we, we have a lot of internal mixologists. We have Bobby Gleason, who's our master mixologist. We mentioned Amy, but sometimes we like going kind of outside, kind of looking outside. And we brought in, I think it was 30 bartenders from across the country. And we had them mess around with a, it was a buffet of every possible ingredient, mixer, modifier. They didn't even know what the product was. They just had the base liquid. They were able to kind of taste it objectively. And they created a host of unbelievable cocktails that we still use. Um, when, when you say that we have kind of brought in bartenders into kind of the fold, almost as if, you know, in PR, we'll go on a press trip with journalists or we'll host an event for influencers. Um, what do you think kind of especially appeals to bartenders when we're kind of talking with them when they're and when they're not on their day job behind the bar for them to kind of take time out of their day or night for that matter to spend with a with a brand what is it that appeals to them how have you found that bartenders kind of like to yeah. engage with PR yeah teams? I think it has to be uh, an equal value exchange I think if you go into any relationship and out of the gate you're uh, demanding or asking for something to be done on your behalf, but not offering something in return. I think that's, you know, a quick way to uh, a short relationship together. <laughs> so in our case, I think it's about, you know, thinking about not only how can this influencer help us further our brand storytelling, but, you know, what, what do we have in our arsenal as a brand and our resources to help this bartender or this influencer um, kind of further what they're trying to do in their own career or in their own education about the category. So for uh, that Los Tesoro program I referenced, um, you know, we were uh, specifically selecting stories and pieces of our process from the distillery and bringing them to life through um, kind of mailers or through events to the bartender to help educate them about the process of crafting uh, this very special tequila. And so, like I said, it was a little bit of a value exchange. It was what can we do to help you um, be more knowledgeable about the category or create a great experience for your customer? And in return, you know, what could you uh, return for us? And what what are we equipping you to say about our brands? That's great. I mean, I think it's it's interesting. There's sometimes we find when you're not kind of marketing to a bartender or selling to a bartender, um, the kind of collaboration works kind of in that in that perfect way. And I, I think there's been examples where we haven't even marketed a product and, uh, you know, using, let's say old overhold or old granddad, those are two of the most coveted brands in the industry. People love old overhold. They love old granddad. And for years we didn't really market them or do any PR behind them, yeah. but the bartender identified the, this is kind of the bartender's whiskey. This is the bartender's rye or, um, and it became kind of a thing and it, it became, had, it has a cult following both of those brands fully through the support of bartenders who just, understood the backstory, the kind of liquid, why it works so well, but nobody was selling them on anything. It was just a brand or two that really kind of became um, hugely popular and kind of have, they've grown 
rapidly in the last 10 years. And it's been because of the bartender. So that's always fun when that happens. Yeah. I mean, let the bartender be the owner, like let them see the authentic self of the brand and let them own it and run with it. Uh, And don't tarnish it with too much marketing speak, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Overhold, old granddad. Those are both great examples of that. You have to know that you're dealing with influential people in the industry when you go in and throw a media event uh, at a really great account, that that's an opportunity to um, establish your brand, help them think positively about your brand for the future. Yeah. Like I said, leave a great impression. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, I, I also think as we're talking a lot about the bartender, but there's also something about, you know, there's buyers, there's bar owners, yep. there's, uh, you know, club promoters. There's a lot of people in the uh, industry who um, have mass influence and who kind of are very strong collaborators and could be considered influencers. I mean, we, as we think of the influencer um, on the trade side, we, we know there's a number of people who have started as bartenders. They might still be behind the bar, but they also have grown. But the other piece to this is a bartender is on any given night, the most valuable gatekeeper for a brand. They're recommending a product recommending a cocktail, but there's also bartenders who have kind of, um, kind of span beyond the bar. A lot of them have social influence. They might be strong in, in strong followings and in an Instagram. Um, they might be judges at very influential cocktail competitions. Mm -hmm. They might publish a book. They might be kind of in the press. Um, so as we think of the influencer, it might not just be the gatekeeper behind the bar, but we recognize that there's bartenders we collaborate with who also are, contributing to Esquire or Maxim. And um, it's just, it's interesting to see how how the world's evolved in PR and how bartenders are writers, writers are bartenders. And I don't know, have you, have you noticed that too? Yeah, definitely. Um, The bartender has certainly been given a bigger voice beyond behind their own bar in the last few years. We certainly see for um, national media outlets like Uproxx, for example, is constantly publishing a roundup of New York City's bartender's favorite gin cocktails this month um, and quoting people directly. So um, I think it's really important that, you know, the industry is small when you're going around and running your own individual programming, you're making relationships as you go. And uh, a lot of times you're going to come back to that person or you will be approached in the future um, and intersect again. So I think leaving those great first impressions is so important in this industry. Um, you know, and keeping in touch and, you know, just being humans with one another. I think there, we are seeing a ton of, uh, bartenders expand their influence by writing books. We've had that come up a lot. And, um, if, if they already have a relationship with your brand, they may come back around and say, Hey, I got a book tour going on. Do you guys want to be involved? Do you want to be the signature cocktail? And we love those opportunities. That's certainly not what someone thinks of as traditional PR. Um, but it's undeniable that that's a point of influence, um, and influence all the way to the consumer. Very, very true. Um, also, you know, these influencers, these bartenders, a lot of them have been out of work. A lot of them have been struggling this last year, I guess, you know, as the world has had to evolve and adjust. So has, you know, the PR team and kind of how we market, build our brands, how we influence influencers. Um, you know, we're just kind of kind of coming out of it, hopefully, or at least getting closer. What's your experience been having a shift with PR, how we engage with media, but also bartenders who, you know, there's new sensitivities to this, you know, not wanting to reach out to a bartender asking for a cocktail yeah. recipe if we know they're out of work. Um, how, how have you experienced this? 
Yeah, I I think it goes back to what I was saying earlier. Um, that that value exchange. I mean, I have so much respect. We all should for what a bartender does for this industry. Um, and and to view them as just a recipe creator or someone uh serving the drinks would 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 be a disrespect. Um, so it's it's so critical to know that when you work with a bartender, they're they're providing a service, and you should pay them as such or compensate them and such and uh and respect that. So in the last year, um, I mean certainly we engage with bartenders in our programming regularly, but um I was happy that so many of our brands were even more so seeking and finding those opportunities that we could um invite some of our closest bartender contacts to to help us out to compensate them for recipe creation or working at events with us or coming on a virtual session and doing some education around a cocktail. Um, you know, it's not a lot, but I think, uh, in a time like the pandemic, when so many people were out of work, um, things like that go a long way and it helps to continue that relationship that you've built. Yeah, absolutely. And I think even in the absence of events and trips and opportunities for people to actually bartend at an event or attend something Certainly that virtual world is a big thing. And we would certainly work with uh, bartenders and our ambassadors to kind of do Zoom tastings and sessions. But also, yeah, I think being extra sensitive this last year, that to me, that's been a big, had been a big evolution of like, not always just assuming everyone's going to want to be able to kind of collaborate or, yeah. or you know, it's, it's been a, a challenging time, especially as, as the bars have struggled to stay open and all that. And I think that we've, on the PR side, it's, it's been, um, rewarding when we've been able to find ways to, to work with either a bar or a bartender to just kind of help them stay busy, help them, you know, stay afloat and all of that. So another like kind of macro trend um, and just kind of important topic, I feel like it's worth discussing as it relates to influencing the influencer, collaborating with the trade PR is just the kind of need for us to you know, as a company, as brands, as a PR team, to prioritize DNI, diversity and inclusivity, and in everything we do, and this, of course, has been top of mind for us for a long time. But it absolutely became even more of a kind of a priority um, last year, as as we've you know, as a PR and social team, have been central to a lot of the decisions and commitments we've made as a company and on behalf of our brands to really commit to being. Um, Extreme, you know, heavily focused on inclusivity and on, you know, marketing our brands through a lens of um, reaching all types of perspectives and, um, and people. And so I guess, Lana, and, and I know you've been a close partner of mine and kind of doing this, and I know we have ways to go, but kind of how would you describe some of the work we've done to really kind of prioritize and, and just do a better job um, on behalf of our brands at, at, at kind of prioritizing DNI? Yeah, this is incredibly important. Like you said, it has been for a long time, but certainly in the last year uh, was emphasized and, and a point put on how companies respond um, to this topic. So uh, we spent a lot of time talking about this and it applies uh, across brands through everything we do and has become a consideration in, in our day to day. And that is from uh, all the way from how we interact as a company in this industry, all the way to how we position ourselves to consumers who enjoy our products. Um, so certainly I've been very proud that our company has stepped up to vocalize support of communities 
who have, uh, you know, raised injustices and inequities in the world and in our industry um, have been proud to put action behind those commitments in many cases. Um, and I think it's, you know, we're guided by one, we have great employee impact groups that have been established in the last couple of years that, um, you know, it's great to collaborate with those bounce ideas, get um, a sense of how to uh, sensitively and authentically uh, participate in these discussions. People who enjoy our products are diverse and therefore we need to be too. And we need to be thinking through that lens and everything we do that goes for our teams. It goes for the agencies we work with. It goes for the insights we use, uh, the bartenders and influencers we collaborate with, the media targets we work with. Um, so really it's become a consideration all the way through the line. And um, as an employee of the company, I've been really proud to see Beam Centauri step up and stick with our commitments in this space. Yeah, that's spot on. I mean, I, you know, especially as it relates to the kind of bars and, and, and bartenders that we work with. I mean, there's no doubt that tequila is not only consumed at a Mexican restaurant and bourbon is not only consumed by a white male at a, at a, you know, whiskey bar. Um, obviously right. that's, uh, that's a very kind of narrow-minded view of kind of how to, how to market and who to market to. And I think, you know, I, I think we've done a decent job and certainly have ways to go, but really prioritizing this with, with everything we do. Personally, from a personal experience, I recall several years ago when I started working on Booker's Bourbon and I really, really enjoyed the product. I would go to a, a whiskey festival of sorts and be speaking with people and they would look at me with surprise. I'm, mind you, blonde hair, fair, whatever. Uh, and they would be surprised like, oh, you like Booker's? You don't like Basil Hayden's? And at the time, I was a little proud of the fact to to go against the grain and be like, yeah, I like Booker's. But now, especially in light of the conversations that we're having as a culture, um, it, it does shed light on a problem of some stereotypes that exist across gender, across race. Um, and so it's really, uh, it's great to see that these things are starting to be addressed more publicly. Absolutely. And, you know, one thing that also has, as we talk about the evolution of um, our work and kind of how PR operates, one thing that I say I'll miss that's connected to the trade is just being with bartenders at kind of brand events and festivals and conferences. You know, one of my favorite weekends of the year has always professionally has always been Tales of the Cocktail in New Orleans, where I'm able to kind of kind of run around New Orleans, enjoying cocktails with media, with bartenders, with fellow publicists, with, with all that, you know, same goes for whiskey festivals and camp run amok in Kentucky. Um, those are some of the best times where we're kind of blending all the influence influencers, quote unquote, together. And you get a, you know, it's kind of a even playing field where you're, you know, enjoying drinks at a bar with maybe our master distiller, Fred No, sitting next to one of the best bartenders in Seattle with a journalist from the daily beast. And that's some of the most kind of fun I've had as it relates to kind of being in the field and kind of being with influencers, I guess the question I guess to you is what are you missing most about <laughs> kind of just the world that we're in and where we're hopefully going to be back in soon? Yeah, I, I do agree. It's those in-person experiences that I really miss. Um, you know, I talked about how in everything we do with influencers, with, with press as well, it's about building relationships. It's about storytelling. And you don't see any of that come to light as much as you do when you bring somebody, a guest to the home place of our brands or to a 
a branded event that has been really curated to to bring your brand to life. Um, it's just so rewarding to watch somebody experience that and take in information in such an experiential way and for them to to fall in love with your brand right in front of your eyes and go, oh, I get it. Or now I'm sitting here talking to a master distiller and I I believe what you're saying in your ads now because I'm experiencing it firsthand. Um, that to me cannot be rep- replicated virtually. It's really hard. Um, so I'm really looking forward to bringing people together around a table, around our brands and helping them love our brands as much as we do as people who work on them. Yeah, that's, that's great. I missed that as well. You know, I just two weeks ago, I was able to go to New York, um, for, it was pretty much the first time I've been out in New York in a year and a half, kind of actually getting to visit bars, meet with some, some kind of old colleagues and friends. And a highlight was we went to our friend Eddie's bar. It's fun to just be there and catch up with him. And he survived the kind of the, the pandemic. He's he's dealing with it now. But we sat down after our meal. He brought out some of the best cocktails on their menu, including like a Haku Vodka Cosmopolitan, which evidently the Cosmo is back. Um, <laughs> and we had a martini. We had a bunch of just awesome kind of nostalgic cocktails. We could have had a Zoom, could have talked on the phone, we could have texted, but this was just the kind of real deal. So it just speaks to what you were talking yeah. about, getting around a table. Um, it's fun to, to get back into that. Yeah. And as a side note, do you think the Cosmopolitan is back because Sex in the City is back or vice versa? Uh, well, I, actually, I have some thoughts on this. It's a good question. Okay. I think that Sex in the City is coming at a good time because based on some of the some of the bars I've been to in my travels in the last few weeks in New York and LA, it's clear people are wanting to kind of kind of get back into just having fun, the mindless fun. And I think there's something about nostalgia we're seeing a lot of reboots, reunions, all of that with uh, with TV shows and movies. But there's something about the kind of throwback easy cocktail. And I was at this bar in New York and I, not only do they have Cosmos, they have sex on the beach. They have just insanely kind of classic drinks that you probably may think twice about if you were at a craft cocktail bar, but they've kind of reinvented them into a craft way. And I've, I'm seeing, definitely seeing Cosmos on menus. Martinis continue to be strong, but there's something about the throwback. And I think Sex in the City is coming at the right time. And I think these, th- that's going to be certainly a trend that is already bubbling with kind of the throwback retro cocktails that just bring you back to a fun time, whether you were on the beach or back in the day. So, um, but yeah. again, that kind of, tr- that insight I gleaned sitting in a bar um, at an actual account with an actual bartender recommending a drink. And it wasn't from just sitting in my desk on a Zoom. So Reading a PowerPoint. Um, reading a PowerPoint. So um, <laughs> certainly a lot of what we get, a lot of insights and just learnings we get, of course, happen at bars and talking to bartenders. And I think that's part of what feeds um, kind of what PR is. I mean, we could sit here and write press releases and talk about ourselves and our brands, but really kind of uh, getting the, the, the good stuff is from talking to the people that are on the front lines, mixing the drinks, talking to customers. And that's, again, why it's so powerful to have good relationships with bartenders and not just in Instagrammers, but and the yeah. people that are pouring the drinks. You, you bring up an, a topic we actually haven't talked about, but when we consider influencers and kind of how they interact with our brands, um, you have to also consider that good ideas come from anywhere. And we probably both have some examples in our careers at Beam where, you know, one thought that has come out of a bartender or one observation from, you know, their customers or, you know, one story from a master distiller and all of a sudden it's like that, like we haven't considered that, but how cool would it be to build a program around what you're saying? 
um, inspiration comes from everywhere. And that's certainly another benefit to specifically a trade influencer or, you know, our relationships with bartenders who are on the ground seeing trends develop firsthand. Totally. And same goes for cocktails. I mean, the pickleback trend started obviously at a bar in Brooklyn and um, so many iconic drinks, rituals, ways to enjoy our products um, have come from bartenders and they have not come necessarily from, you know, the PR team making something up. Sometimes we are able to drive trends from our end. And sometimes you see the highball, which the trend has been bubbling for years. You know, Beam Centauri has been putting a lot of investment behind it, innovation, all of that. Um, But it's the bartenders that are choosing to recommend it, to pour it, to feature it. And um, they obviously play a significant role, not just in cocktail trends and in growing brands, but to your point in um, kind of feeding storytelling and feeding how we um, talk about our brands and how others talk about them. So we've been talking about influencers. We talked about the trade. Um, obviously, we've kind of touched on very briefly all the different gatekeepers and audiences um, of uh, kind of for the PR team. But let, let's kind of run through, in addition to bartenders, uh, Lana, talk about kind of on a day-to-day when you are telling stories about your brand, who are we talking to? Who are some of the other audiences that we consider influencers? Um, it runs a wide range, but I would say, uh, certainly what comes to mind first would be social media influencers, which has been a a marketing, uh, channel that's just blown up in the last 10 years, maybe less. Um, definitely looking at other celebrities, uh, folks in the entertainment world. Um, I certainly, I mentioned this, but certainly our own employees, I would consider influencers. Uh, bartenders we've talked quite a, a lot about, um, journalists, obviously an influencer. What else? You could probably build on this list. Yeah. I mean, the uh, leader of your small bourbon group, the Redditors, the yeah, whiskey aficionados, the collectors, the one person in every neighborhood that brings everyone together in the backyard it really comes down <laughs> to that. That's you in your neighborhood. I don't know. I have a few <laughs> of them. Um, yeah. I mean, I think certainly we really, the, the, the lens it just continues to widen. If we just spend all of our day talking to just a journalist or just someone on Instagram mm-hmm. or just a bartender for that matter, we would not kind of fully realize the opportunity to tell stories and have others tell stories about our brands and kind of pay it forward for us. So yeah, it's, it's, you know, I think PR, I, I, I've been in it 17 years. Uh, I've been at Beam almost 13 years, worked with you for almost over 10. Mm-hmm. Um, I always get, every day I get excited about the power of PR and how we can, you know, collaborate with marketing, with sales. We kind of fit right in the middle there and how we really have the opportunity to build brands, to inspire brand loyalty and kind of get consumers excited about us through the specific PR channel. And that is by inspiring bartenders, by inspiring journalists to write about us, Instagrammers to post about us, the neighborhood next door friend to kind of get everyone in the backyard to drink us. And um, that's why I think PR is such a powerful tool. And it's, it's, it's a fun world to be in PR and it continues to change and it evolves every day. So. And no um, day is the same. No day is the same. And some days you get to come in and say, I have watched my brands on the Today Show. I'm going to grab a cocktail from our in-house mixologist sit in a studio and drink a cocktail with a colleague and be able to kind of uh, hang out and talk, talk about brands and about uh, bartenders. So it's been a pleasure. I think we need to wrap up, but what we typically do on this, I don't know if you probably know this trend that's 
growing is at the end of every episode, we usually are about done with our drink. Mm -hmm. We uh, get to do a toast. And so I guess I'm going to, I'll lead this toast, this one. So here we're going to raise a glass to that moment in the near future when we're going to be able to just pop into a bar, pull up a stool, sit at the bar, not worry about masks, not worry about who's vaccinated. It'll all be behind us and be able to say to the bartender, you know, dealer's choice. What do you got for me today? And enjoy a good cocktail or a good neat pour recommended by the bartender and kind of like old times, not a worry in the world about um, if I'm going to get, you know, any, any, any effects of this, it's just going to be about having a drink and sharing a good memory. So here's to that. Cheers to that. Cheers, Lana. Thank you for joining. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Um, And we'll see you all again on another episode. Cheers. Cheers. Top Shelf Integrity is brought to you by Beam Centauri Inc., Chicago, Illinois. Remember to always drink responsibly.